Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm Sally Ganga from College Coach. Um, We'll be discussing some really timely topics today. During segment two, I'll be talking with Gabby Tobias, a new colleague at College Coach, about the University of California personal insight questions, or you may know them as their uh, uh, essay application questions. Um, If you are applying to the UC schools, I'm recommending that you start working on these questions now if you haven't already. So do listen in. And then for segment three, Lisa Albro, longtime college coach veteran, will talk about her journey to college as a first generation student and kind of the added challenges that'll bring uh, things that she learned. And this is part of a really fun series. Um, that is basically stories from our team of how um, how we all went to college. But for the first segment, by the way, if you're watching this on a recording, you'll see Stacy McFeeters, a member of our college finance team here at College Coach, and she will be giving us an update about the student loan forbearance, something I know impacts quite a few of us. So welcome, Stacy. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me, Sally. Well, thanks so much for coming on. I mean, I you know this is something that doesn't just impact families that I talk to. It it frankly impacts people in my personal life. So this is a very big issue. So thank you for any insight that you can give us. So I guess basically the thing, is there any update on the administrative forbearance around federal student loans? Let's start with that. Great. Yeah, absolutely. So as most folks probably know, at the beginning of the pandemic, with regard to the CARES Act, uh, one of the provisions that was included was a forbearance for student loans Uh, for student loan borrowers in repayment on federal student loans. So it started in March of 2020. Um, That provision, which basically allows borrowers to take a timeout on their student loans, has been extended now three times. So uh, the provision was expected to expire on September 30th, but about two weeks ago, it was extended now until uh, January 30th, 2020. 22. Um, We are told pretty emphatically that this will be the last extension. Um, So for those who are, uh, you know, still trying to figure out what to do about student loans, um, this is your sort of last chance to get your ducks in a row and enjoy this forbearance period. So yep, one more extension, but we're hearing that this is it. Mm -hmm. So get ready to start repaying. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. All right. But at least this isn't like the mortgages where you have to, or not more um, rent, where you're supposed to pay all of it. You just restart your same payments? Yep, exactly, exactly. So what we'll find is that sometime, probably in December, early January, federal student loan servicers will reach out to borrowers and put them back on a repayment schedule for those who had been in repayment. What will be a little tricky, there's actually two things that I want to make sure we talk about today. Um, For any borrowers who have left school or graduated since, um, in essence, January of 2020, 20 who have not actually ever entered repayment, they will enter repayment for the first time. So they're going to have to be somewhat attentive to any sort of incoming correspondence. Most folks don't realize that they're not going to hear from their school. They're actually going to hear from a student loan servicer. So that's something that folks who have never been in repayment should be on the lookout for. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one other tricky wrinkle that just came up um, in the last couple of weeks is we have two very significant student loan servicers who are going to be exiting the space. So it's entirely possible that folks who have existing loans with a couple of specific servicers might find that they're being shifted to a new, new servicer when they enter repayment um, in the January, February timeframe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about the other student loan provisions intended to help borrowers? Are those still in place? Yeah, they are. So the, the, the primary provision that most folks are, are sort of really keen on is the, is the timeout, the forbearance, which basically means that there's no required payment. Um, The other really sort of excellent benefit that everybody is benefiting from is that all student loan interest rates have been set to zero. So there's no interest accruing on loans currently. Mm -hmm. There's a few others, um, things like they've ceased all collection, um, things of that nature. But the the two that most people are really uh, zoned in on are the forbearance and the the 0% interest rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that 0% interest rate is key. That's yeah. huge. Absolutely. And, and, and the reason for that, if, if folks are sort of not following, 
<clears throat> is if borrowers are able to make payments on their student loans, those payments are going directly towards loan principal. So even when you go back into repayment, that, that old sort of interest will not be accruing. It's not going to capitalize. So any payments you made are going directly towards reducing principal, which is, a, mm-hmm. which is obviously a great thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and with the additional extension, what should borrowers be doing now? It's it's probably the question I want to hear the most right now, and it's it's um, one that we have certainly been talking to to folks about. And there's a couple of things that folks should be doing. First and foremost, if you haven't in the last year and a half that this has been in place, taken stock of your personal uh, financial situation, please do that. Take a look at what you've got out there. Are you able to start making payments either on your student loans or other debt sources? I would love to say everybody should be paying on student loans and they should just be piling money onto principal. And if you can do that, please do. But take a look across the spectrum of what you've got. If you haven't sat down and done a spending plan or what people often refer to as a budget, take some time to do that. Make sure that you're taking care of maybe higher interest rate debt that might be out there. So for example, I just had a conversation recently with someone who said, I really want to pay on my student loans, but I have credit card debt at 22%. What should I be paying on? Mm-hmm. That's probably a really good idea, unless there's additional cash flow that allows payments across both. Um, certainly, we you know talk about strategies and maybe applying money across different areas. But I think probably the most important thing is now that things are normalizing a little bit for most folks, and we're seeing sort of an economic stabilization. Now might be a good time to take any extra cash flow you have and pay down either your student loans or other debt sources. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that very, very few borrowers are making payments during this forbearance period. And while I understand for a lot of people it's impossible, if you can, you should. This is a, a, you know, a remarkable time where you're basically have, you know, allowed to pay down principal with no interest. Mm-hmm. So, so even if you make a big payment, say, in December it's going to be this big benefit to you because as because yeah. in January, the interest is going to start re-accruing. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, you know, if you owe $10,000 on your loan and you were to, for some, you know, great ability pay off $10,000, you're done. There's mm-hmm. no new interest. There's nothing. Right. Um, so that's definitely, you know, if, if there's an opportunity and ability to do that, certainly do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I haven't mentioned is, you know, when I talked about other debt, um, non-federal student loans are not included in these provisions. So if you have private loans that, you know, may, you know, you may need to be making payments on, or maybe the, 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 the lender has allowed the same sort of provisions, obviously that goes into the same discussion that we had. And that is if you have higher interest rates or other terms that are not, not quite as reasonable, take care of those first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think in general, paying off the higher interest always makes sense, but yeah, I, sure. I, I know that there's other sort of philosophies out there about debt. Um, okay. And so I think that maybe we've covered this already, but just to make sure what should borrowers do prior to going back into repayment after yep. January 31st? So it's, it's a really, so it's a good question and it's a little kind of beyond what we've already said. And that is be prepared. Mm -hmm. So if you have not heard from your loan servicer and you're somebody who's already been in loan repayment, be proactive, get yourself set up for it to figure out what your repayment is going to look like. Um, For most borrowers, when you go into repayment, so that's existing borrowers, new borrowers, whatever the case may be, they're going to put you into what is called a standard repayment program, which is basically 120 equal payments over 10 years. Think about right now whether or not that makes sense for you. Would you rather spread it out over a longer period of time? Are you looking at maybe taking advantage of some of the income-driven repayment programs? You can do all of that in advance so that when you do go into repayment, you're exactly where you need to be. Um, If you're someone who is working in a public service field, public service loan forgiveness is still an opportunity, and hopefully they're going to simplify it. You need to file the paperwork that you need to have on file. So you need to make sure you're certifying that you're still working in that field. You should verify that your income still fits within your repayment term. So a lot of those things can be done in anticipation of going back into repayment. I think think that's good. Any last thing that's really important for you to say, Stacey? I think, you know, by and large, you know, we, we, we live in the world we live in, right? So the question that I always get right now is what about loan forgiveness? Mm-hmm. Um, and while I don't have a crystal ball, um, there's a lot of conventional wisdom that there's not going to be a blanket forgiveness. Um, mm-hmm. There may be some, there may not be some, um, but realistically, I think people need to plan to move ahead in what we know today. Um, so that means if you can make payments, make payments. When you do go back into repayment, 
go back into repayment and -hmm. don't assume that your loans are going to be forgiven. If it happens in some way, shape or form, it probably will be smaller than most people anticipate. And -hmm. at least you've taken advantage of the opportunities that are in front of you right now. Right. Yeah. That no interest opportunity is huge. I mean, I remember paying off my own loan and like, I mean, I was so lucky, right? Like I, I borrowed like 13,000 or something. Like it was just, you know, but still like that first payment, I think I only paid off like $10. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. It's horrible, you know? And yep. then towards the end when I could have paid it off, I thought, well, I, I'm paying almost no interest at this point. So exactly. I just had it on exactly. automatic when I really needed it though. Yeah, exactly. I was paying, you know, it was almost all interest. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stacy. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Great to see you. Okay. And um, so now we're going to be taking a short break, but when we return, I'll be talking to Gabby about the University of California essay questions. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. College admissions can be stressful. But Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome, Gabby. Thanks so much for joining us today to talk about the UC questions. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Sally. All right, so let's let's do kind of a general overview of what these are. I, I still talk to people sometimes, not people in the state of California, but I still talk to people sometimes that are surprised that, like, the University of California is not on the um, common application, for example. Like, what do you mean? What what questions are you talking about? Yeah. It's like, if you could give me sort of a general overview of the essay questions, we'll talk about the general application at another time. But yeah, let's kind of dive into that. Yeah, great question. So I know the common app, they do the, the general 650 word essay um, versus the UCs. They do it a little bit different. Um, so they have eight PIQs or eight personal insight questions is what they're called. So out of the eight personal insight questions, students can choose four. So half of those. And they have up to 350 words for each of the questions that they can have. So they have quite a few, quite a bit space, a little bit more space than the Common App to really dive into the questions and to really discuss the questions and what is entailed in them. Um, and they're a little bit more direct. So versus the Common App, they're just the standard prompts and things like that. The UCs are a little bit more different. They're a little bit more concise, direct, mm-hmm. and kind of straight to the point, asking about students' different abilities, whether that's leadership, 
their creativity sides, different things like that as well, too. So it's a great model. Um, and I think it's a way that students can kind of express themselves a little bit more directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like especially that they give students choices. So you can yeah. kind of, as a student, figure out what you want to highlight and then choose the questions that will help you help you do that properly. Absolutely. Um, and it gives them a little bit more free range. And it doesn't let them pigeonhole themselves. That's something I feel like a lot of students do with the Common App essays. They kind of box themselves into one different category. Mm-hmm. And it kind of lets them have that intellectual thought process and really helps them to think, what do I really want to portray? What do I want to talk about? What is something that I can talk about from these different questions that maybe I, I don't know or ability that I don't know that I have, but that I do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really like it. I think it's a really good way for students to really think outside the box, even if they're not applying to VCs. It's a mm-hmm. good tool for brainstorming to use for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, speaking of that, like, how, how do you, if you're working with a student, how do you recommend they approach them in general? Like, how do you recommend sort of starting in the process? Yeah, good question. So I think something that can help is kind of starting on the activities list first. I know the UCs, they do a whole kind of range or even on the common app activities list, um, kind of starting and seeing, you know, what activities from ninth through 10th or ninth through 11th grade have these students been involved in? Um, what are some of the most important activities? And from there, they can kind of brainstorm different personality traits, different characteristic traits and, and different things that they can kind of pinpoint that are the most important. And then that's some things that they want to portray to the UCs. Mm-hmm. And by the way, speaking of this, I was on the UC website before this um, segment, and they even have a document like a PDF yeah. that allows you to brainstorm, which I think is so great. So listen to this segment, obviously, but then if you're curious, go straight to the UC website because they have so much good documentation on all of this. Thank you for that, because I think the UCs are probably one of the most transparent systems about Mm -hmm. what they're looking for. Even if you just Google UC personal insight questions just on the application page, it will have guidance for each of those questions. And a lot of the times I'll just direct students to that website and just say, you know, here's the guidance on what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. From there, maybe come up with eight ideas. It doesn't have to be all the eight questions, but come up with eight ideas that you want to talk about. And then let's talk about kind of fitting those into those different boxes that those questions are asking. But I mean, I love how they just guide through students throughout the process. They really are very transparent. So yeah. Yeah. I tell students when they're working on their essay questions to, um, post not just the question at the top of the page so they can continuously refer back to it, but also the notes that the UCs, because the UCs always include under the questions, things to think about. So I'm like, post those at the top of your page and refer back constantly as you're writing to make sure you're answering the question. Because it is interesting. I mean, with the universe, with the common application, students can be very creative. They don't have to be strict about answering the question. But with the UCs, answer the question. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so important to answer the question. So, and they Absolutely. do, they give you so much information. Um, so all that being said, why don't we, why don't we start to go through them, yeah. you know, and I'd love to get your insight on all of them. And I, I went ahead and I um, printed them out for myself. Um, but if you have them in front of you, if you could sort of read the first one and then we can talk about it and we'll go from there. Yeah. So the first one is describe an example of your leadership experience in which you have positively influenced others helped resolve disputes or contributed to group efforts over the time. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I love about this is that they're asking about leadership experience, but they're making it clear that you don't need to have a title of captain or student body Mm -hmm. president or something like that. So why don't you kind of dig deeper into what they're looking for here? Yeah, so some things to consider, I think you kind of hit it on the head, is a leadership role doesn't have to necessarily mean a title. Um, If you mentored students, so I have some students who are involved in Big Brother and Big Sister. So Mm -hmm. last year, I kind of held an essay workshop, and I had a student write about that what Mm -hmm. their role was in that, how they mentored them, how they kind of guided that person throughout their timeline, whether that was somebody in high school or somebody in middle school. Um, And also kind of how's your experience changing your perspective on leading others as well, too. Um, I think that's kind of the most important part. And they kind of say it towards the end is, did you solve, did you resolve a dispute? 
Or did you contribute to other group efforts over a time? Did you organize one activity in your school, whether that was like a bake sale or whether mm-hmm. that was um, a cooking club, those different types of things that can involve leadership. You don't have to be president of every club, but there's other kind of leadership abilities and other capabilities that you can contribute to as well too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's very flexible. I mean, it literally could just be, yeah, resolving a dispute, you know, stepping yeah. up to help others in an important moment could be this. Yeah. So, um, and I also want to stress, yeah, that it doesn't have to be at school. It can be in your personal life. It can be at church. It can be everywhere. So just reiterating what you're saying, but this is something that I find students impose rules sometimes that don't actually yeah, exist. You know right. what I mean? Like, where does it say on the page that you can't do that? It's like, right. nowhere does it say that? So, um, so just pay close attention to the page. All right. So let's uh, move on to number two. So number two is, I think this one's actually one of my favorite ones. Um, It says, every person has a creative side and it can be expressed in many ways, problem solving, original and innovative thinking, and artistically to name a few. Describe how you express your creative side. Um, And so this one is cool because I feel like the first thing that students think about when they think about creative is art or music or performing arts or something, but that's not necessarily true. Mm -hmm. Um, It's diving deeper into, I've had a lot of computer science students actually touch on this topic about how they've been creative in the STEM field, how they've been creating with coding and game design and how they've kind of expressed their interest in that field through their creative side. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't necessarily have to be something, some sort of painting that you did or, you know, some sort of performing arts thing that you did. Just kind of talk about maybe how you navigated through challenges or you navigated through a different curriculum in your high school as well, too, and how that creative and intellectual thought process helped you navigate through that as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I think like potential business majors um, Mm -hmm. can absolutely use this question. Like I think about a student of mine who um, she was volunteering at a nursing home and her interest was in business, not in healthcare, but it was close by. She wanted to serve the community and she could walk to it from her house and transportation was an issue for her. So, um, but one of the things that really impressed me is that when she went there, she realized that um, like they had this tiny gift shop, but only two of the residents could get into it at a time um, often because a lot of them were in wheelchairs. So a tiny space doesn't work. So so she came up with the idea to have a um, like a gift shop on wheels. Like she fundraised a cart and she would take it around from room to room. I mean, this is so creative in a kind of a way. This is perfect for that. So yeah, problem solving kind of out of the box, you know? Right. And you're thinking solutions. I think that's a big thing is how can you get to a solution and what is your thought process behind that as well? So what problem arose, what solution did you propose and what was kind of the negotiation or thought process skill? So I love that she was able to tie that into that. So Mm -hmm. it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, no surprise that she's gone on to be very successful, (laughs) not just college and beyond, you know, so Um, All right. So let's talk about number three. Yeah. So number three is what would you say is your greatest talent or skill and how have you developed and demonstrated that talent over time? So um, and I think this one is kind of thinking about I think the biggest thing that students think about is I have to win an award. Mm -hmm. or I have to be the best at something, or I have to be number one or MVP. And that's not necessarily true. It doesn't have to be like athletic abilities or intellectual abilities. What is a skill that you're good at? So for Mm -hmm. example, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned a business student. I actually had a student who was interested in law Mm -hmm. who wrote about, you know, how they're able to negotiate, talk about strategies, you know, talk through intellectual thinking and processing and debating and things like that as well too. And that was one of their biggest talents that they had and kind of tying it into the different pursuits that they wanted to pursue within law and how that's an interest and how that's a big talent that they have. And so I think that's also kind of something that's pretty cool is that you don't have to necessarily be the number one, but everybody Mm -hmm. has something that they're good at. Everybody Mm -hmm. has some kind of given ability that you're good at. And let's kind of tap into that and let's dive a little bit more deeper and discover what that is. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had a student who her talent was making things happen. Like she, she initially was writing an essay about, her and her best friend, because they were very different. And then reading over the essay, I was like, what this is really about is that your friend comes up with ideas, but then you're <laughs> the one 
they can actually put them into motion. Ah, okay. You know, her friend like would have all these wonderful ideas, but she was the one that said, okay, to make this happen, we'll do this and this and this. And, you know, I was like, that's an incredible skill. A lot of people don't yeah. have that. And that can be a talent too. So was- yeah, if that's your talent, that counts. <laughs> that absolutely counts. You know, it was funny. I was talking to a parent yesterday and he was kind of diving in onto what his son is good at. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, I don't, I think he may need to go into sales. He's, he's a good negotiator. He even mm-hmm. negotiates me for his, um, what is it? His monthly in- money. I can't think of the word right Allowance. Now. Yeah. Allowance. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and negotiates me out of doing chores and things like that. It just kind of <laughs> describe the different kind of skills. And I'm like, that's a talent. Yeah. So I was like, a lot of kids nowadays are so savvy and they don't realize it. Mm-hmm. Until their parent starts talking about it or a friend starts talking about it as well. So it's it's those little things that you can even talk about as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, honestly, a sense of style can be a skill too, right? Yeah. Like you're the one who is the most stylish who your friends go to with questions. Like all these things can count. So absolutely. So. Okay. All right. So what about number four? Yeah. So Describe how you've taken advantage of a significant educational opportunity or work to overcome an educational barrier you have faced. Um, And I think this is something that it can be a little bit different, a little bit kind of tricky in a sense, Mm -hmm. um, because for instance, I had a student write about how he had access to different kind of computer science classes and different kind of coding classes and different kind of game design classes. And that's really something that he was able to take advantage of and sparked his interest and made him want to go into that career of computer science. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just kind of talking about those things and those courses that maybe you've had access to, or maybe you didn't have access to, but you chose to take it on your back end, you know, through a community college or through some other kind of course offering as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. Do you think it's important to, I feel like the word opportunity is an important one because it's about students sort of realizing that they're able, they've been given an opportunity that maybe others might not have had. Mm -hmm. Um, So not that they have to reflect that precisely in their essay, but just kind of talking about like how wonderful this opportunity was. Do you think that that's helpful in this essay? Yes. I think that Mm -hmm. is helpful and just kind of celebrating Mm -hmm. um, and remarking kind of on that opportunity um, and what that kind of looks like for them and how they were able to kind of get into that course. I think that's also something that can be a little helpful for them as well. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Great. All right. So what about, and, but this one also has um, educational barriers and how you overcome them. So when do you think students might want to write about that? Yeah. So I think if they've, been able, I think if they've gotten to that point in their life, it's important to discuss that. And it's important to kind of talk about that. If they haven't, then kind of what you said, it's important to also celebrate those opportunities that they have and really reflect on how they've gotten to those opportunities and how they've taken advantage, not taking advantage, but how they've kind of celebrated those different opportunities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it just kind of depends from student to student as well. So it can be a case by case basis. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But don't, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of harping on this because um, I've talked to students who think that you're supposed to have a sob story and I'm like, right. absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely not. If, if things have gone well in your life, you can be appreciative of your opportunities. You don't need to make something up. <laughs> you <Yeah. know>? so. <laughs> I think that's the biggest thing now. And everybody, everybody thinks that they have to have something that they've overcome. And let's take a moment to kind of reflect and celebrate that you haven't in life, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that have, especially yeah. at a young age. And let's kind of talk about how you've focused on those opportunities and how you've developed yourself through those opportunities and celebrate, um, mm-hmm. but then also be grateful and mm-hmm. have kind of a sense of grace as well, too. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So what about the next one? All right. So number five, describe the most significant challenge you have faced and the steps you have taken to overcome this challenge. How has this challenge affected your academic achievement? So I think this can also be something that they tie into the later half of number four as well, too, is talking Mm -hmm. about a barrier or talking about a challenge. Again, if you face a challenge in your life, then let's talk about that. We want to hear about that personal growth, Mm -hmm. how you've challenged yourself, how you've grown as a person, how you've grown as a student. And it doesn't necessarily have to be that, you know, maybe you were getting all A's and then 
come your junior year, you were getting C's and D's and it doesn't have to be something that drastic and that mm-hmm. kind of representative. It can be maybe a class was a little bit more tougher thinking. Maybe you started taking more APs. Maybe you started mm-hmm. taking more honors and you had to change your thought process a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of talk about that and kind of dive into how did that kind of affect your achievements? What did you have to do to work towards that? And what did you have to do to become successful in those courses as well? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a drastic grade change, but maybe there was something else that happened in your life, or maybe a drastic thing happened within your family, um, heaven mm-hmm. forbid a death or what we're facing now with COVID mm-hmm. that could have changed also, you know, how you perform in school as well too. So, mm-hmm. but I think the important piece of this too is, the steps you have taken to overcome this challenge. Yeah. If you haven't done anything to overcome it, this is not going to show you at your best. Right. Absolutely. So I think what we want to focus on, what you said is that growth mm-hmm. and overcoming it and getting to that next point in your life as well. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. All right. What about number six? All right. So think about an academic subject that inspires you. Describe how you further this interest inside and outside of the classroom. Um, and, and so I think this is something as well, too, that many students have a focus on a certain major or a certain dis- discipline or a certain subject area that applies and kind of describing what have you done maybe outside the classroom to further that interest. So if you're involved in the health sciences, you know, have you done any shadow opportunities or have you done any kind of hands-on research or any of those opportunities and how is that interest in that subject developed and what experiences inside and outside the classroom, it can be volunteer work or it can be employment or it can be some students have access to different um, summer programs. So it's really kind of focusing on that one main thing and kind of diving into how you've grown and how that one main thing has inspired you throughout the classroom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think this one's a really fun one, like any academic subject that really like show your enthusiasm for it, dig deep into why mm-hmm. it was, why it was really fun. And colleges love it when students look at learning as something that happens in everyday life and that doesn't just happen in the classroom. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it's really a way for students to tie in their interest in different fun, like you said, different fun, different out of the box things that they've been involved in and tie in those extracurricular activities that you've been involved in. So, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. And I think that is important to note too. This is a way to loop in other parts of your application. Um, All right. And then what about number seven? Yeah. So This one is a fun one, too, or it can be an interesting one. So what have you done to make your school or your community a better place? Um, And so I think that's something that can kind of be some students kind of have to take a step back and kind of think. So what are some things that you've inspired your school to be? It can kind of be fun and it can kind of be something that you're able to kind of step back. So did you create a club in your community? Mm -hmm. Did you create certain different community service activities and those types of things and how do they affect that community? So not only saying what you did, but kind of saying that outcome and how that community or how your school group has grown as well too is going to be the most important part. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, yeah, and again, take note of um, the extra notes that they put in because they talk about things like, why were you inspired to act? You know, what did you learn from your effort? So it's not just what you did, but what did you learn from it? What did you get from it? You know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. So it's the same thing as that next step going into it. Yeah, exactly. All right. And so number eight. Yeah. Beyond what has already been shared in your application, What do you believe makes you stand out as a strong candidate for admissions to the University of California? So this is kind of the most popular kind of open-ended prompt or open-ended question that you have. I think the Common App has one that's usually the last one, Mm -hmm. but I think this is a good place to put, is there anything else that you maybe didn't convey or portray to the admissions officer or portray to the committee that you want them to know? Mm -hmm. And so this may be a good one that kind of as you're brainstorming and you're maybe seeing that something that you're talking about maybe isn't fitting into those certain prompts or fitting into those certain boxes. This is a good one for students for that. So, you know, maybe they're talking about something that they've done over the summer, whether that's a trip with their family or some sort of, you know, extracurricular activity outside of the classroom and outside of their school community. Um, But what's something that you want to highlight and something that you want to share, whether that's a skill, a talent, a challenge, or an opportunity that has arose Mm-hmm. What is something that you want to know to make you better that has made you better and that can make your application stand out a little bit more too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. What I don't recommend that I've seen is sometimes students just say, here's a list of all the reasons right. you should admit me. Yeah. And that's, it's, you're not there, you're not in the committee room, so you don't know what they value. So yeah. you really like, don't tell them what to do, but put forward something that they might, that you know, that to you is valuable, that you think is important for other people to know, but don't do a summary is yeah. my advice. Like pick one thing that is, that has that level of importance. Like maybe you're somebody who takes care of your, your siblings. This yeah. might be a great thing to write about that is not going to be clear from your school record, that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's a great point. I've had students who they take care of their family or they mm-hmm. take care, like you said, of their sibling. And they kind of write about that, how mm-hmm. it's affected them, you know, how they've grown, what they've learned even from that kind of things as well. So I, I like that you said, don't just note down things that admissions counselors want to see, be narrow, mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. straight to the point and kind of talk a little bit more personal about yourself. That's going to kind of set you apart. So hmm mm-hmm. All right. Great. Um, Thank you so much, Gabby. That was really helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Sally. All right, everyone. We're going to be taking a break. But when we get back, Lisa Albro and I will be talking about her experience attending college as a first generation student. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome, Lisa. Thanks so much for being on our show. Great to be here, Fallon. Thanks so much. So Lisa is doing our um, stories from our team, and she's going to tell us about her path to college. And what I think is really... Um, hopefully going to be compelling for a lot of our listeners. I'm sure it will be actually, as I know that you were a first generation student, you were the first one in your family to go to college. So that presents particular kinds of challenges and, you know, maybe some opportunities too. Um, So yeah, why don't we start with that? Like, what was the process like for you? Sure. I I like to call myself the experimental child in my family, (laughs) you know, blazing the trail for others. So uh, it was, it was a a fun and arduous (laughs) experience through life, but yeah. So, you know, when you're the first in in your family to go through the process, you really don't know what to expect. And sometimes your parents, and and, and I can say, I'm saying you, and I mean me, uh, my parents, they didn't know what to expect either. And they were nervous about Mm -hmm. the process. And so they were full of questions though, too. And so 
their answer was always go ask your guidance counselor, you know, mm-hmm. or, or their, their response or their, anytime there was something that came up, they would kind of send me to my guidance counselor who happened to be really well-versed in the process and was fortunately a, a good resource for me. Uh, I think, you know, there are some guidance counselors who are really on the ball about this and, and he was, and so I was fortunate. Um, but you know, he, I was, tr- you know, blazing a trail to his office all the time. And he was used to seeing me. Uh, and sometimes it would be a reluctance on my part to go see him because I would think, Oh, he doesn't want to see me again. He doesn't want to hear from me, mm-hmm. but my mother would kind of force me. Um, so th- that's what we did. But it, it, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty as there is to the process for everybody. I think, um, I think a little more so because without having had parents going through it before, and even if their experience would have been, you know, 10, 15, 20 years before mine, let's say, you know, there were too many unknowns. And I always say to students, you don't know what you don't know Mm -hmm. when it comes to this process. And so I didn't know what I didn't know. And I learned, you know, kind of by trial and error. Mm -hmm. Uh, But again, asking lots of questions was, was sort of my remedy for it. Mm-hmm. And feeling comfortable going to the people who seem to have answers or seem to be able to point me in the right direction was really the first line of defense. And I want to highlight something here that I think is really important. And I've, I've run into this with a lot of first generation students that they don't realize that it is their right to go and get answers. Yes. That if, if this person is your guidance counselor, that is what yes. they are there for. And unfortunately, guidance counselors are really overwhelmed in a lot of cases. And this Mm -hmm. is something that I think is a crime. I actually think it would be better if, if our job was not a necessary one because guidance counselors, there were enough of them and they were well-funded enough and, you know, but, but use the resources that you have. That's what they're there for. And I'm so glad that your mom was there to encourage you to do that. You know, I'd also like to put in a plug. I mean, did you have teachers that helped you? Because I wasn't first gen, but my guidance counselor was extremely busy. And I ended up having a history teacher who helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My journalism teacher was kind of like my my buddy in a lot of Mm -hmm. ways. And she always asked me about, you know, especially in senior year where I was applying and had some great suggestions. And I actually ended up applying to her alma mater, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which made it, you know, she was happy about that, too. And she was even more interested in helping me. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah, that does make it fun. I will say too, like with my history teacher, he wanted, he went to UC Berkeley. He wanted everybody to go to UC Berkeley. So he was, <laughs> he was happy for me when I got in. But when I was like, I think I want to go to read. I think I'm a small college person. Mm-hmm. He was like, you know what? That makes sense. And when he supported that decision, in spite mm-hmm. of him telling everybody else to go to Berkeley, right. um, he, I, I felt like really good in my decision. You know, he's yeah. like, I know you, I've, I've, known you for long enough now like because I'd had earlier classes with him than just my junior year history class and uh it it just was very very helpful and affirming Mm -hmm. you know sure sure I have to say one one good part of my parents not knowing too much is well at least my dad he was hungry for knowledge about this process Mm -hmm. he wanted to know more so he was the one who'd say let's go visit this college let's go see this place and Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have you know initiated that myself this was more coming from him come on we've got some days off let's go see colleges Mm -hmm. and he was totally into it you know he was all Mm -hmm. about let's take the drive let's go to the bookstore let's do Mm -hmm. tour you know that whole thing and thanks to his being curious and wanting to see more and know more. And the fact that he knew me, you know, parents, who knows children better than their parents usually, right? Um, He was able to kind of see the thing, see through the things that sometimes I might've glossed over or, or say, this really seems to fit you, or this Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to fit you so well. You know, Mm -hmm. I might've been caught up in, in, you know, bedazzled by something mm-hmm. and he would say but look over there and and right the climbing gym is you. A, yeah like the gym is <laughs> amazing yeah but mm-hmm. you know like you're not gonna like you know the the english department isn't strong enough for you lisa like let's right. talk about what you're actually going to be doing every day yeah right, right. Yeah. yeah that is wonderful and i love that too because for any of the parents listening in if you didn't go to college that doesn't mean you're not going to be helpful to your student I mean, think about both your parents were clearly very helpful uh, in this process for you. Yes, and supportive. They were all about it. To them, there was it was never a question of whether I would go to college. Mm -hmm. They always it it was just it was a given that I was going to go to college, and Mm -hmm. they would do whatever they had to do on their end to make that happen. 
Mm-hmm. Which is wonderful. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I look, I was lucky. I know not everybody experiences that. And some students really struggle with this, especially mm-hmm. if their parents are wary of, about the process and, and nervous about it. And, and sometimes when, you know, when you're the parent and there are things that you don't know, you don't want to admit to your children that you don't know them. And so sometimes that does cause a little bit of a rift or a chasm mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. parents and students or, or reluctance to get involved. And, and so I would just encourage parents, if, if you're nervous about this, you know, it's okay to be nervous, mm-hmm. but engage, mm-hmm. you know, learn, learn what you can. You mm-hmm. don't have to have gone to college to become knowledgeable about the process mm-hmm. and how to help your child. Yeah. I talked to, um, some first generation families, as I'm sure you do, but also I talk to a lot of families where maybe the parents didn't go to college in this country and they'll say, oh, you're going to be able to tell that I don't really know anything. And one of the things I tell them too is, you know, people who went to college 30 years ago here, it's still really different. So please don't be embarrassed to ask, ask questions. Absolutely. Because a lot of people who think they know how things work actually might not know. <laughs> you right. know? Like, well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, if you think back to your own college experience, and I think back to mine, so many things are different about the application process. And, mm-hmm. and I, I tell families that too. And I, I hope that puts them at ease to know that, you know, the only reason I know what I know is that I worked in that world. Mm-hmm. And I've been steeped in this. But the expectation is not that you do know all of that, especially if, you know, if, if you are first gen or if you're first gen U.S., college mm-hmm. student and you know your parents are coming from from they've gone to school in another country and it's different the system is different the application system the testing system is different mm-hmm. you know and it's okay there's nothing to be embarrassed about if you're not sure asking questions is the best way to know mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. now you mentioned being um like a trailblazer uh, <laughs> for your family so talk about sure. talk a little bit more about what that was like Sure. Yeah. I mean, throughout school and and just experiences doing things first and kind of passing down to younger siblings, what that was about, what it meant, you know, preparing them. So when it was their turn to do it, helping them understand the steps they needed to take, um, you know, if if you look at birth order and, you know, first child tends to be the one who's, who's kind of, you know, the, the organized and the, the go-getter, I guess you could say, or the, the one who kind of, you know, will lay out all the steps for you. And sometimes the middle child isn't that way or the younger child isn't that way. So sometimes mm-hmm. it was grappling with the fact that my sisters had very different ways of approaching things and very different styles mm-hmm. of receiving information than mm-hmm. I would have liked. So I would present it to them in the way that I would have wanted to know it and they would take it or leave it. Right. <laughs> As, and, and so for students who are going through that for the the first time themselves and then trying to pass on knowledge, I think it's always worthwhile to blaze that trail and share with your younger siblings or younger cousins or relatives or neighbors or whatever it is, what, what you experience. But, you know, accept that they're not always going to follow your instructions or your path to the letter of the law. Oh, yeah. Listen, I was mm. trying to advise my sister and my nephew about the college process. Mm-hmm. And earlier on, my sister would just kind of sort of take it or leave it. And I finally said to her, you know, people pay me thousands of dollars for this advice (laughs) that I'm trying to give it to you for free. So if you don't want to do something, that's obviously fine. But for you to dismiss it is a little ridiculous. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, she was like, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. I'm like, seriously, what do you think I've been doing for the last 20 plus years? Right, Um, right. But you I know. try not to be offended when that yeah. happens now, right? I mean, even when my youngest sister, I'm significantly older than my youngest sister by mm. about 13 years. And so right. I was working in college admissions when she was looking at colleges. I took mm. her on all her college tours. I was the one who did that. My parents were kind of, they were done. You know, they, mm-hmm. they'd gone through it already twice. They were done. They, they said, just let us know where to write the check. We'll be fine, you know? Right. And so I was able to do all those tours with her. And, and it probably, it was a good thing for her, but it was also an arduous thing for her because I knew what I knew at that point from working in that system. Right. <laughs> and it might've been a little much for her. Mm-hmm. She was fine just to look at the campus and see what she saw, but I was, you know, let's dive into this. Let's spend more time in the library. Let's, you know, let's, mm-hmm. let's, let's. And it, it might've been a little much for her. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes she had to say, all right, I'm done. You know, mm-hmm. let's, let's leave this campus. And, and so I had to kind of defer to her when that 
happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was, um, I realized early on that I had to soft pedal it. So like I took my nephew to his first two college visits, mm-hmm. then his parents really took it from there. And so that was good. I was like, let's visit UConn. Let's visit Trinity. They're close. They're very different. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah. think? You know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and in fact, you know, he enjoyed the visits. So that mattered yeah. a lot. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Okay, win one. Like, let's see. Let's see how. Yay, France, Sally. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. Um, so, what do you think was sort of like the most satisfying piece of this of this journey to college for you? Like, um, d- discuss. Well, I think, and I probably what I what I was feeling early on is not unusual for many applicants, not just first gen kids. I didn't think I'd get in anywhere. I had great Mm -hmm. grades and pretty good scores and all of that, but I was sure that's it. I'm not getting into any colleges. Why would a college admit me, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think to some degree, even the top students, everybody feels something. There's there's a nervousness. There's a Mm -hmm. what if I don't get in anywhere kind of feeling. And so getting those first acceptances, even if they were my safety schools, and then getting more, and then getting offers for aid, you know, mm-hmm. merit-based aid, getting some really nice merit-based scholarships that basically said, hey, you're a great student and we want you here. Mm-hmm. You know, those those really helped me kind of, you know, puff up my chest and, whoo, mm-hmm. look at me, you know, I was pretty proud. And Yeah, as you should I, have been. And you yeah. did it mostly yourself, you know. Right, right. With key assists. But- yeah, key assists, although after the process was over, it did have me second-guessing that did I not reach far enough? I didn't apply to reaches and it was out of fear. It was out of Mm -hmm. fear of failure, fear of rejection. And, you know, for some people, that's always a theme. That's always an undercurrent. But, you know, as, as a person who looks back 30 years and thinks, Hmm, would I have gotten into that school? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, maybe yes, maybe no, but it kind of would have been nice to know. Mm-hmm. And I would have dealt with it if it was no and, and right. maybe not been able to afford it if it was yes anyway, <laughs> who knows, but <laughs> you know, it, don't, don't put yourself in a position where you have to second guess. Although I say this within reason, I'm not suggesting that students apply to every blessed reach mm-hmm. that they can identify, but, but that, at least a couple but they do of them. reach a little within reason, right? Mm-hmm. That they, they identify yeah. a couple of places that might be a little bit out of their range. And if there are good reasons for applying, you know, make every effort. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great thing to go um, for us to end this segment on because a lot of first generation students based on research undersell themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't apply to these reach schools and maybe they should be, you know? So, um, all right. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. So thank you also to Stacy and Gabby. Um, listeners, get ready for our show next week. Our regular host, Beth Heaton, will be answering listener questions, as well as discussing what it really means when colleges send you mail. Um, and finally, I want to remind you that you don't have to listen to our shows live. Every show is accessible 24-7 on the Voice America website, and you can also download every show for free on iTunes. And if you want to search for a particular show topic, um, you can go to our blog page at blog.getintocollege.com. That's blog.getintocollege.com. Um, and last, don't forget, we're here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.